This is a Founding Media Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, y'all. I'm Livy. And I'm Adrian, And we are your hosts of Fueling Your Potential. Uh, today, I'm so excited to be talking with one of my dear friends, Rebecca Scritchfield. We're going to be chatting all about body, body respect, and also her amazing book, Body Kindness. Yes. So Rebecca is a well-being coach. She is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, ACSM certified exercise physiologist, and author of the book, Body Kindness, Transform Your Health from the Inside Out and Never Say Diet Again. Amen. Yes, I can totally get on board with this. And what perfect timing. It's about to be summer. Let's all take a step back and, and take a moment to appreciate our bodies and stop worrying about whatever beach body you think you should be in. Whatever body you have is the body you should be in. It's the right now. I am so excited to jump in with Rebecca and just talk and really be kind to our bodies. Yes. And this is just, I think it's something everybody needs to hear. Even if you've already taken that step to be comfortable in your own skin, this is a chance to remind yourself and also learn some strategies for how to apply kindness to your thoughts and to your daily life. Let's do it. excited that you're here and over the moon excited to talk about all the things that you're up to. So give us an update of like what's going on in life. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, I am uh, working. So I do individual counseling in Washington, D.C., and I work with uh, chronic dieters who are usually they're about at that rock bottom point uh, for that one millionth time. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they'll come in saying like uh, just total mixed messages like, I got to do something about this weight, but I ain't never dieting again, you know? <laughs> and that's how I know they're going to be the perfect fit for me because. It makes sense when people have weight concerns because our culture is always telling us we need to lose weight to be healthy. Uh, and, you know, interestingly, uh, restriction leads to, you know, usually overeating in some ways, sometimes even binge eating. And so they're only seeing the negative side of it. And just, I just know that they're ready for body kindness. <laughs> um, and I also love working with uh, kids and families as well. So uh, it's just so fascinating that, uh, you know, I'll get a parent, you know, and they have genuine concerns for their kids, but what they're worried about is is about they're trying to control everything. And it could be whether it's the kids just going through puberty or um, they're so afraid of sugar, you know, uh, that they start messing with the kids' autonomy and food choices, and they're actually creating more problems. And, and I really think parents are absolutely doing the best they can, but I also think they're doing stuff to screw it up if they're not careful. And so I love, you know, being a parent myself and also being 
a wildly imperfect parent and needing to do, you know, get my own guidance on what makes sense and experimenting with the idea of trusting and structure around kids and food. Um, I really like to be able to practice compassion and let them be where they need to be. But at the same time, just dive into how they can take positives about nourishing their bodies and being good to their bodies and practicing body kindness um, without taking it to an extreme. So I'm, I'm really, really enjoying that. And I, uh, besides doing the counseling, I also uh, write um, as a freelancer and I do a podcast myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. I see your awesome mic set up. That's wonderful for our sound. Um, so something I'm hearing that I really, really love is you speaking about autonomy and the idea that our bodies mm-hmm. go through changes and that's totally natural. And a lot of times people freak out when they see changes in their body, but in reality, it's just part of growth. So talk mm-hmm. to me about the mindset shifts that need to happen in people in order to view your body as kind of this beautiful tool and this ever-changing you know, you know, it's environment, it carries us through life. So how do you make that mindset Mm -hmm. shift and what needs to happen for people to start viewing their bodies kindly? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I guess it all depends on where you're starting, right? But ultimately, on the sense of an individual or in the sense of a family structure, kind of a family unit in our house, there are certain things that you can control. And so taking meaningful action in, in those things. And, um, you know, so whether that's looking at the way you speak to yourself, whether that's looking at, um, if maybe you're too rigid in your meal planning. So it's either like you're, you know, you're the perfect eater or you're like, I don't give a crap what we're eating this week, (laughs) you know? Um, so, so certain things like that, but I would, you know, I would be remiss not to talk about and acknowledging acknowledge that there are actually um, a lot of cultural systems at play that make it so, so hard to be in this space where we're focused on our well-being and not our weight. And so the big things would be we have a thin ideal that, you know, supposedly the less you weigh, the healthier you are. Um, You know, we automatically assume that everyone should be about the same weight. We're still using the BMI, which I call the BS measurement. I don't know why we're using that. (laughs) But, you know, so we have this twisted idea that we should all be the same weight when actually we have size diversity. We've always had size diversity. Uh, And so this idea that our value and our worth is tied up in our appearance is culturally constructed. And it's based on what is represented in whether it's the media, the news articles, television, movies, uh, magazines. You know, it's basically erasure when we only see this kind of white thin ideal. And so that is portrayed to be what we should all be striving for. But it, it goes actually against our biology. Um, and then you have the health and, and medical system that actually um, – is in cahoots, right, with diet culture that 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 also says thinness equals health. And so it's very confusing because if you're someone who wants to care about your health, it's automatically programmed. Well, therefore, you better watch your weight. You better control yourself. And it is... Um, it excludes people who would naturally be at a higher weight based on genetics and, and, and natural diversity. It excludes them. It pathologizes... pathologizes. 
<laughs> I'll get it out. Um, okay, I'll give you an edit pause. So it excludes people who are at a higher weight and it pathologizes their bodies just for being in existence. And then it basically says, hey, you know, the way that you're going to improve health is by losing weight. And that's actually not scientifically true. So we end up being, you know, gaslighted in a lot of ways because here we think we're pursuing health when we pursue these body focused changes. Um, but it can lead us in the wrong direction. Yes, it could lead us to eating disorders, but even if not an eating disorder, it could lead us to disordered eating, body shame, um, avoidance of self-care behaviors, self-loathing, um, you know, just, just an unhappy life. Life. You know, it can create stress and anxiety and associated with depression. So there's a lot of negative things that can happen when we buy in to this system of oppression. So I just want to acknowledge that um, we might talk about things, you know, where I say, well, try this effortless way of being kind to yourself. But in reality, that can be a really difficult thing because it ignores people who are at a low socioeconomic status, who may be struggling just to get their bills paid, right? No amount of deep breathing is really going to help them if they don't have access to a good job and safe places to exercise and affordable food. You know, like there's, there, there's no amount of support that can come in and deal with that until we handle those systemic problems. And then people who have more financial means and have more resources, they are being told that they should put all that effort into their weight and appearance. And then that keeps the system going. And so then we're all just confused. But wait a minute, I thought this is healthy. So suddenly as a dietitian, I'm telling people, eat the cookies. And then people think I'm a crazy dietitian. <laughs> and I say I, but I know you feel the pain too, right? Like people think you're the crazy one, but really you're trying to liberate and help free people from this idea that somehow rigid control, um, or I even heard, and I've seen this in research too, like being debunked that will flexible dietary control, right? Or like, you know, um, no, that's still, you know, basically putting you at war with your body. And, um, so at any rate to, you know, to, to sum up that, that dilemma, it's like, we really have to understand that this idea of like body kindness, it sounds so nice. It's actually very challenging because of systems that are in place that are outside of our control. So we almost need this, we need this extra level of energy and grit and focus because we live in this oppression culture and it is very radical to choose body kindness instead. And it takes a lot of effort because you're going to be comparing yourself to other people all the time. And our culture is going to say, yeah, I actually agree that you with those thick thighs or, you know, big belly area, I agree that that's unhealthy without even a look at somebody's labs or habits mm -hmm. or truly things that we can focus on that might predict, um, you know, physical health. And then of course we have to look at mental health too. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you've really looked at the whole spectrum of it and uh, how as a registered dietitian and looking at the both sides and the socioeconomical status and like the Maslow hierarchy of needs, like where did all of this like spawn from and how did you come to this conclusion and start the journey of writing your beautiful book? Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so I would say that body kindness is a result of a lifetime of mistakes I've made. 
<laughs> most good things yep, are. Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, you know, I had my own issues with chronic dieting. I started dieting at nine. I would sometimes diet with my mom. And what is really interesting is, is um, I also come from a background of lower socioeconomic status. So we had government food assistance at times in our lives. We lacked health insurance. So like I didn't have a pediatrician. Like if I needed healthcare, it was because I, you know, got into a bicycle accident and I was going to the emergency room for stitches. Mm -hmm. um, so there was this interesting, I have very interesting experiences where um, if you've ever heard somebody say, um, you know what, it feels better to go to bed with a full belly and I don't care where that food came from. Like there were times when we were stretching in, in the month where we would go to this freezer that we kept and it was full of like day old bakery. So we had a hostess bakery, you know, the company that mm -hmm. makes like the yeah. pies and the ho-hos and all that. So there was a day old bakery where you could get stuff for dirt cheap. So my dad, instead of going to the grocery store, could go there and stock up. And it was, you know, those like desserts that anyone could eat and enjoy, right? When we talk about in moderation. Mm -hmm. Well, what we had was that as a freezer, because if, if in the freezer, if we didn't have enough stuff, we could go there and reach in and stretch out what food we did have and then add a pie and we'd at least feel full. Mm -hmm. And so um, it is just really important for anyone who is talking in the context of health doesn't forget that there are health disparities. And so when we look at making changes in our system, if we include the people who are on the outer edges, so we include low so socioeconomic status, um, we include people of different um, races who may be oppressed based on their race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, abilities. When we include those people, we actually help everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that was a... Actually, most of that actually is not in body kindness at all. So I don't mean to confuse <laughs> you, but, but it's important to get out there that with respect to like how I ended up getting to, to write the book, um, you know, that was part of my history and we have this myth that dieting is really something that like rich, thin white people do, but that's actually not true either. It really can impact anyone. Um, and, um, you know, what happens, you know, what, what happened to me through the years is that I had difficulty with clients, right? So I thought I figured it all out. I got an education. I'm going to help people with nutrition and with exercise. I'm also an exercise physiologist. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to help people, but it was still weight centered. And it was like, it was more of the diet roller coaster. And so long story short, I was like this, this never worked for me and it actually, you know, triggered me to, you know, undereat and then eat a whole box of whatever, frosted mini wheats or something like that, you know? And so I was like restricting and dieting and like, you know, trying to manipulate my body never worked for me. And here I am trying to do this with clients too. And it would be random things like this person's marathon training, but at a higher weight. And then she'd freak out at pizza night. And I'm like, why, like, why am I, you know, being the food police with this person? This isn't helpful. And unfortunately there wasn't much in my training besides like make one quarter of your plate pizza and the rest basically vegetables, <laughs> which isn't good for a marathoner. <laughs> no. And so, and, and, and so, 
I felt very, very lost. And it was through finding intuitive eating um, that really made me start to challenge the structure and then finding the health at every size movement that actually really showed me all that other stuff that I brought up earlier, that there, that, that if you really care about health, you really should be focused on well-being and that it's an individual pursuit of a positive well-being based on personal interests, abilities, needs, their access to resources, and that, you know, it, it is just as much emotional as physical health. And um, the way I weave that into a book was really targeting um, adult women chronic dieters, you know, again, back to that focus on what you can and can't control. It was on the things that you can control because it could be years, maybe not even our lifetime where we really fix the system. We got to talk about it. But what can a person control today? They can choose to get enough sleep. They can choose to speak kindly to themselves. They can choose to you know, meal plan and get healthy food around the house, but not kind of judge themselves if they want to buy chips or you know, Nutella or the good tasting cheese or you know, sour cream because you're making quesadillas, right? Like all these things can fit in to a part of what we would call, quote, you know, healthy eating plan because it's not individual foods or an individual day. It's more about your patterns and how much you're really enjoying the taste of your food and 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 also you know sinking the idea of I'm nourishing my body and I'm enjoying my food and that's a form of taking care of it. Um, you know and then of course other things like friendships and sleep and I even talk about sex in the book. Woo! <laughs> I love it. Who doesn't love talking about sex? That helps your brain chemistry so much. <laughs> Life is better with the by it exponentially better by the more orgasms you have. I'm convinced. Oh totally. I always agree on that one. <laughs> but I love how you were able to uh through your training as a dietitian and an exercise physiologist and personal experiences, you came to the same conclusion, like, oh my gosh, restriction, manipulation doesn't work. How can I slowly Mm -hmm. make peace with this whole body that I don't, that I understand? And like my relationship Mm -hmm. with food, I just, I really enjoy that process as you came to. Absolutely. I do too. Mm -hmm. And something that you said to me that really stood out was that, you know, body kindness, it looks different for everyone. There is, Mm -hmm. you know, no set formula for it. It's just how you feel about yourselves and what resources you have to utilize. And I actually had, I was having a conversation the other day with someone who said, I just kind of eat, um, the things that feel right in that moment. Like I Mm -hmm. eat the things that I feel that I need. Is that what intuitive eating looks like to you? Or can you explain that to us a little more? Sure. You know, I, I think the whole journey to get to like the furthest and most advanced intuitive eater that you can get is also highly individual, right? So I think one of the big myths about intuitive eating is people think that it lacks a structure. And I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, it's not going to say, oh, it's 1130, eat cottage cheese because you're on South Beach or whatever, you know, or if you're doing Whole30, it's 1130, you can eat that piece of fruit, but you better not have anything with beans in it because that's bad. So, so, you know, (laughs) intuitive eating is not going to give you rigid rules around the time and what you're supposed to eat. Um, To become an intuitive eater, you actually have to work on trusting yourself and trusting your body signals and trusting the way that it works. So people need 
support understanding of how normal hunger and fullness is supposed to happen. And that there are times when we don't feel typically hungry, um, that you might be stressed or anxious, um, or not sleeping well, and your signals might be off a little bit. So it's like, what can you use when you're not necessarily getting regular signals from your body, but also hunger doesn't have to be empty belly growling feeling. And so there, there is a lot of training and coaching that goes into, um, what actually is intuitive eating? What are the principles and then, and what are the kind of skills and tools you use to progress to a more trusting, um, intuitive eater to where it's like, yeah, I, I don't have to think about it because in this moment, I'm just going to think about what am I craving? And I may or may not think about gentle nutrition right now. Um, but people who are like, I don't know if it's against intuitive eating or we'll just say like the argument is, well, sometimes people just need structure. And so when they ask me, should I have one glass of wine at night or two? I'm going to tell them one glass of wine. That's the rule. And the problem with that is so short-sighted. Like, and it discredits a dietitian, right? A dietitian, I mean, anyone could tell you that advice, just drink one glass of wine. I might talk to the person about, let's talk about this wine. What's interesting you about it? Where are you? What's the context? What's the reason for drinking the wine? It could turn out that that person is going and soothing with wine because they, they're stressed about their boss at work or that you know they're, they're anxious about something related to something earlier in the day. And they're going to that wine as a way to escape. And so if they're going that wine to escape, the chances of them stopping after one are low. And that person might realize that with one glass of wine, then other food comes out and it le lends to a grazing session that they regret because, you know, it wasn't part of their meal, you know, or they were checked out, not tuned in. And so I think that what people really mistake intuitive eating for a lack of structure. There is so much structure and so much to explore when you actually understand that there is so much context to what influences food choices and taking it back to body kindness. I knew when I was writing that, I was like, I need a whole chapter just on how humans make choices because we never look at the fact that we compare ourselves to others or when we go in the grocery store and there's 72,000 types of yogurts that it makes it really hard to pick one, you know? Um, and, and, and that we have FOMO, right? The fear of missing out with like, you know, that gets us to want to make the perfect choice or I got to do what she's doing. And that there are all these factors that are externally driving our decision-making rather than saying, wait a minute, what are my preferences? <laughs> what do I like first and foremost? And, 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 and so, you know, I don't repeat intuitive eating and body kindness. I just say, look, this is a, this is like body kindness embraces intuitive eating, read that book and do that work. And Evelyn Triboli read body kindness and gave a praise for it. So it embraces it as, as an evidence-based model for eating. Um, and then what I do is I really help unravel why, how, what, and how, and what are the things that influence our choices? Then I give sort of this structure around eating, like overly simplified, like 
the guides are be hungry, balance your plate and savor your meal. And then I go on to say like, look, it's not a rule. You must be hungry in order to eat. But generally speaking, when you're hungry, you better be eating. Mm -hmm. You know, and generally speaking, if it's after dinner and you're watching a few extra episodes of TV and you're mindlessly grabbing the chips, I'd rather you say, you know what? I'd like to create the kind of environment where I decide what I really want while I'm watching TV. And maybe I want to actually taste what I'm eating while I'm watching TV. And so it's not that I'm not allowed to have food while I'm watching TV, but I think about whether or not it's a good time. And I think about the context of how would I enjoy it so that then I don't escape into an entire bag of chips and then later self-flagellate. Oh, you suck. You know, this is why you're horrible. And this is why when you run tomorrow, I want you to think about every chip you've eaten. Like that's no way to live. That is no, no, no way to live. So I want people to understand that we're humans and sometimes we eat when we're not hungry and sometimes we eat and, um, it was a little bit mindless and that we can just take those things as normal patterns. And we can think about what are the actions we would like to take around eating and, and use that as our guide rather than any other silly little diet plan that we actually can architect our whole healthy life, you know? Yeah. I love that you actually are talking about choices because so many times people need those hard and fast rules, eat this, don't eat that. And to really stop and pause and listen to your internal self and really learn how to choose what feels good and the why, why in the world am I eating? And then why in the world am I beating myself up over a silly chip? Or the 72 choices of yogurt. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I just had a client today and, uh, you know, she is new to body kindness and, you know, her underlying reasons for being so attached to dieting were were things like that she feels like now in her body that she hates how she looks, that she's always feeling ashamed, and that she's telling herself that she's always being judged. Um, and she she also talked about um, that she she that she thinks that oh well if I look different then I'd be more confident in my intimacy with my partner. And so these are big, deep things that people want and need to get a grasp on to create a better life because it is no life to beat yourself up with you suck Mm -hmm. messages all the time. But those are also things that that client can work on achieving now in the current body. No amount of weight loss or diet plan is going to magically give her those things anyway. Mm -hmm. And so as dietitians, when we can ask them a simple question, okay, so you have weight concerns, let's come up with a list of how life will be better when you lose that weight. And then you simply talk to them about how would you like to work on achieving these things now while we work on this better self-care plan and this body kindness plan so that it's not dieting, but you build this caregiver voice and you work on actually pursuing these things that you think you can't have until you lose more weight. And, and that is the, uh, the real benefit of like getting counseling and dietitians can absolutely help people with that kind of stuff as long as they're actually getting training and development in it. So yes, it is intuitive eating, it's body image work, it's you know reading body kindness themselves and using those tools. Um, you know, it's going to different conferences and education places that teach about things around um, mindfulness and um, and I think eating disorder conferences even are a great place to go and learn about mind body connection and stuff. Uh, speaking my language 
language. Oh, I just love it. Those are all my good, good go-tos and I just enjoying all of it. <laughs> and one last thing I'd like to touch on that you said um, that I think is wonderful is also focusing on your actions day to day because weight loss and, you know, making those healthy choices and accepting that body kindness, it doesn't happen overnight. It's one of those things that you need to be proud in your efforts and your actions on the way there, as opposed to just expecting to be at the end goal. And to me, that's a really important part is, you know, accepting the fact that it's a journey and being proud of the little steps you're taking. Yeah. I mean, taking meaningful action is very, very important. And the way that I would say that I would sum it up and what what I think is the most like ethical way of helping people in a way that works for me. Um, and I really hope other dietitians too is number one, we expect people will come in with weight concerns. Um, but we don't need to market ourselves. Like we help people with weight loss, um, because the science really is not there that for the vast majority of people that they will lose significant weight and keep it off long-term and it would improve their health. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we're doing is we're marketing more about well-being, a better life. I want to help you feel, you know, calm and happy around food again. So look at what we're marketing, but expect that they're going to come in with weight and body concerns. Really make sure that you are working on your own self first and your own training so that you can, you know, get the experience of what it feels like to help people. And it's about making space for them to have a concern about, you know, their appearance, their body or whatnot, but not centralizing that the goal here is mm -hmm. to lose weight mm -hmm. and that the way we measure better outcomes is through weight loss. It's much more like, I want to give you space to have those concerns. And as we go through this journey, I'd like to share, you know, scientific information about weight loss and trends, but uh, you know, like I also want to offer space for you to evolve, to wear an attachment to, you know, looking a certain way becomes less and less important because your life is better and because you're building this trust. And I think those things are really critical because dietitians are, get confused. You know, they either think they promote weight loss or they don't. And it's like, well, you can't control the body either way. So I think it's much more about stop trying to control weight and appearance really practice your values. So what are the values you live by? Practice your values and also, you know, science, you know, and when you work with those two things together, you know, if you're doing better with clients because you're helping them get to a better place, mind and body. And I've had across the board, some people lose weight, some people maintain, some people gain. And even when the people who lose weight, it's never what they really wanted. It's never what they wrote day one. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's much more subtle. It's, it's, it's much more likely to be in their body's defended weight range, which they can naturally maintain. But when they put the effort in of staying fully, fully committed to being good to themselves, they just choose the better happier life that truly is mind, body, healthier over dieting, body shame, food anxiety, never have a fun meal out. Mm -hmm. They end up rationally choosing what is a body kindness path instead. And I think that's what we need to focus on. Yes. Always. I love it. I love it. Well, it's been such an honor to hang out with you today. And uh, I can't, I, so I have to tell you this. I don't know how many clients I've given your book to and sent you to your podcast. And they like come back and they're like, oh, 
this is amazing. She's changing my life. Like I cannot tell you how many clients have done that. And I'm just so thankful you are continuing to do the work that you do. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Rebecca. How, how can we find out more information about you, body kindness? Where can we find you? Sure. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And um, it just makes me feel so good to know that this this thing, this physical object is out there making a difference in people's lives. Um, best spot is bodykindnessbook.com. And when you go there, click get started. And when you give your name and email, there is a free um, body kindness mini course you'll get right away. I check in with you over email. And that's how you can stay in touch with the latest and greatest because I do virtual workshops. I do groups. I'm doing some in-person workshops this year. And so that is that is the best way. And I'm on social as well. But if you go to the website, um, getting connected in through email is really the best place. Awesome. We'll put all of those links in the show notes. Well, thank you again so much for hanging out with us today. It's been an honor. Absolutely. And again, I'm Libby. And I'm Adrian. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Oh my goodness. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on our show. We loved your perspective and hearing everything about your book, about your podcast, and just about your philosophy in general. I just am really appreciative of how she melds together taking care of your body and what that really means to listening to your body and feeling your body. So checking in and intuitively eating, like, am I really hungry or am I emotionally hungry? And no good, bad, right, wrong, whatever pops up. And respecting yourself and choosing what feels great. So I really encourage all of you guys to head over to her podcast and check out her book to really learn how to begin this process of respecting your body. So your homework today is to take a step back and take a second to find one thing that you love and appreciate about your body. And that's going to be individual for everyone. So you know, step outside of the box and, you know, make it personal, make it individual. And don't overthink it. Like, you don't have to, like, love your thighs. Like, maybe we really <laughs> appreciate, like, our elbow today. Like, man, my elbow, like, bends. That's pretty amazing. So yes. it doesn't have to be, uh, like, this over-the-top joy love. It could just be a, a slight appreciation. So I can't wait to hear what you guys appreciate your body. And you know what would be super cool? If you guys shared that with us. Yes. So make sure you head over to all of your social media channels and tag Founding Austin and, and Founding Media. And we would love to know, what do you appreciate about your body? Yes. So to help y'all get connected with us, we're going to put up some of those links and some of those resources in the show notes. So head over and check them out. Also subscribe to our channel. And we want to take a quick second to thank everyone involved on the Fueling Your Potential team, including my co-host, myself, and our producer, Mariah Gossett, and our audio engineer, Jake Wallace. Everyone at Founding Media makes this show so easy and awesome for us. So again, thank you for everything. We will see you next time on Fueling Your Potential. I'm Adrian, And I'm Libby. Stay happy, stay healthy. 